Thank you for being here. We invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. There may be times today, <clears throat> there may be times today that we reference Luke 14 verses 15 to 24 because it is a similar parable of Jesus. But it is not strictly a parallel, I don't think. I think in many ways this parable is unique, this parable is unique to Matthew uh, in all of its details. But Matthew 22, in verses 1 through 14, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. Again he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened livestock. All are butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And he said to the slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. And when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Often parables began... The kingdom of heaven may be compared. The kingdom of heaven is like this parable, no exception. These parables that tell us about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are telling us ultimately about God and about who He is. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew generally uses, is spoken of as a king who invites his servants to the wedding of his son. Now one of the differences between Luke 14 and this is in Luke 14, it is not a king who does the invitation and there is no mention 
of a wedding. It is simply a man giving a feast and inviting guests. In this particular case, it is a king. It is a king. His resources would have been more unlimited than the normal person. And this king is inviting all of his guests to this great wedding feast. Now, as often happened in that time, what there was was there was a preliminary invitation. And you accepted the invitation. And then as you accepted the invitation, when time got closer, you, the messengers were sent out and said, the time is ready. The time is now. And so, you notice some of the expressions in verse 3. He sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. These people who are originally being invited are people who have accepted an invitation. Accepted an invitation. Now, I want you to keep that in context. We remember in Matthew 21, in verse 30, the son who said, I will go work in the vineyard. But later he did not. Same kind of thing. Those who seemed to accept the invitation and for waiting the invitation of the king, when time comes, they are unwilling to come. And he sends out the slaves. And he sends out the slaves telling them how great the feast was in verse 22. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat and livestock. We want to come back to that. We want to come back to that verse in just a moment. But I don't want us to miss the wonder, the wonder of being invited by the king to a banquet. This is a great occasion if it was a lesser king. But we have been invited to a banquet by the king of kings. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king, a king who sent invitations, who gave a wedding banquet for his son and sends out the invitation. To be invited to the banquet of a king was a glorious thing. In the book of Esther, banqueting is a key thing. It's a key idea in the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, in Esther chapter 5, Haman is beside himself because he has been invited to the king's banquet. Now you may know that Esther But that shows how we we are ecstatic often that someone in that high of a position has invited us to abide. Several years ago, when I was still teaching in Tampa, we had one of those nights at school where we had a big dinner and there was someone prominent who was invited to speak. It was a person who uh, was prominent in the political world. He had uh, left that world and become uh, prominent on radio. And uh, where I was positioned, the seat where I was was very close 
to where he was signing autographs uh, afterwards. And so they gave us instruction how to go, how to approach him. And, uh, and that was like the first one there. And he sees me a ways off and he says, Tommy, how you doing? And I said, he knows who I am. He knows, he knows me. And I said, probably he's been following some of the posts And I was just ecstatic until I looked down. And see my such excitement and the Bible pictures a king of heaven who invites us to his banquet and he knows your name ultimately there is an invitation to this banquet with all of your names on it now this is a rich idea from the Old Testament we have mentioned before the idea of a messianic banquet. That one of the pictures of salvation was a great banquet with the Messiah. Listen to this passage. Isaiah 25 verse 6. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choices, pieces, refined aged wine. In Isaiah 55 and verse 1, the Bible says, Everyone who's thirsty, come to the waters. To you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. We are being invited to a banquet of the Messiah. He's a picture that is often given in the New Testament. A matter of fact, what leads to this parable in Luke 14, or a similar parable in Luke 14, is a statement in Luke 14, verse 15. Blessed is the one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is that one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. The Bible pictures people coming from the east and west and sitting down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In the kingdom of God. Listen to Revelation, Revelation 19. I particularly want to read Revelation 19 because it combines both of the ideas that you see in Matthew 22. It combines the idea of a banquet and a wedding. But in Revelation 19, verses 7 to 9, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. We sang earlier, come to the table. Probably some of the best memories of life that you have are around the table. And the Lord is inviting us 
to come to the table. He is inviting us to come to this great banquet that He has prepared. Now particularly, contextually, this is as address particularly given to the religious leaders among the Jewish people. And, and, and I want you to see something else. I want you to see the persistence of inviting these guests. He had already invited them. And then in verse 3, he sends out his slaves to call those who were invited and they were unwilling. But he doesn't even stop there. In verse 4, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited to hold up and bear my dinner. After the first invitation is rejected, he sends out other servants. The Lord is persistent in inviting guests to this banquet. God's mercy that refuses to give up. He refuses to give up on us. He continues to call. He continues to plead. He continues to send messengers to bring us to himself. Now, also in the text, I stated I wanted to come back to verse 4, and this is what I wanted to emphasize. I want you to notice what he says. He says, my oxen and my fattened livestock have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. We are so glad. We are so physically blessed. It's very difficult for us to relate what I'm about to say. But it was a grand celebration and a rare occasion when most in the ancient world had meat to eat. And yet this king has absolutely prepared the best for his servants. He has butchered his oxen, his fattened livestock. He is preparing a feast that is second to none. You may have eaten at some fancy restaurant. And you may have been into the home of some great cooks. But there is no banquet like the banquet that he has prepared for his people at the end of history. There is no banquet. And this, he has lavished all these riches upon us. And I will say this. Let's suppose you were invited personally by name to even the wife. If that feast was prepared, do you know ultimately who paid for that feast? We do. This feast that he invites is not one where he's taking one of ours and redistributing to others. He has given all. And he has given of himself to make this banquet available to you and available to me. 
Invitation is only makes the foolishness of neglecting this banquet, of turning it down. It makes it insanity. The great king has invited us at great cost to himself to the marriage banquet of his son. He has invited us to celebrate. That is an awesome thought. The only thing that could be more astonishing is that many would turn that down. How in the world do you turn down an invitation like this? In verse 3, the Bible says, He sent out servants to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. By the way, first of all, it's not a good thing when the king invites you to say no anyway. And Vashti, remember, you remember, she could probably tell us about that in Esther 1 verse 12. We don't want to get lost in the discussion whether she was right or she was wrong or the king was right or wrong. Uh, all of that is just background in that account anyway. But when the king invited you, you came. You came into his presence. Here, the king invites these people to a great banquet. He invites them to a great occasion, a happy occasion. Uh, and he has a feast without parallel. And the Bible says they were unwilling to come. In verse 5, after another servants were sent out with this news of this feast, which uh, where no holds were barred, where everything was put on the table for the guest, it says they paid no attention. They paid no attention and they went their way, one to his own business, one to his own farm, and another to his business. Luke's gospel, in the similar parable it tells in Luke 14, goes into more detail about the excuses. You may remember this is where one says, I've married a wife and I cannot come. And I bought a yoke of oxen and he must go and try them and bought a field and must go and see it. It's the same kind of idea you see here that people are more occupied with their business than his business. The King of Kings, the God of Heaven has invited you and has invited me to a banquet. He has invited all who have walked upon this earth to this great banquet to celebrate, to celebrate His Son. And yet some find more interest in their farm, in their businesses, than they do the King of Kings. I've married a wife. I can't come. All through the Gospel of Luke, family matters can interfere with putting God first. I bought a land and I must go and see it. Business can interfere with the Lord. Now his sons dismiss the invitations, foolishness, selfishness. But it gets worse than that. It gets worse than that. In verse 6, the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. 
What insane hostility against God that God invites you to this banquet at great personal cost to Himself and some become so angry at the message that they kill the message. But that is the story of the Bible. But because the invitation is so great, the sin is so horrible. They have insulted the king who has given and provided everything. Everything that they have. Therefore, we should not be surprised that the judgment is horrible. In verse 7, the king was enraged. And he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set this city on fire. A statement warning them that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed because of their rejection of the prophets. And now their rejection of him, their rejection of the one of whom the prophets spoke, Jesus. He is going to send his armies, the armies of the Romans here in verse 7, are viewed as his armies, just like Assyria was in Isaiah 10 and verses 5 and 6. The armies of Rome are his armies, and they will destroy those who have murdered the prophets and murdered his son. And there is more to say about this horrible judgment when we get to verse 13. What we've said so far, even in contextual, these who have been invited would be the ones that were the most likely to respond. These are the ones who said when their father said, go work in the vineyard, they said, I will go. But they're turning down the invitation. But then the invitation is opened up to everyone. This is really the point. Where it fits to say, there is an invitation with your name on it. There's an invitation with my name on it. There's an invitation to all of us. In verse 8, that he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. These people who have turned down the invitation and even killed his servants have shown that they are not worthy of such an invitation. Oh, none of us are worthy of in verse 9 go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there invite to the wedding feast and those slaves went out into the streets and they gathered all they found both evil and good and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests the words at the beginning of verse 9 go therefore are words that appear again at the end of the book. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go therefore. The servants are told, Go therefore. Go therefore to the highways 
the places where people come, the places where people come and go, where you're going to find others, go to those places. You invite them to the wedding feast. Invite them. And I'm sure some of these people were so overwhelmed that they would be invited to a banquet of the king that the thought of saying no never entered their mind. I remember talking to a preacher who had just been to India for a few weeks and came back and they were 50 something days. And I said, How did you do that? How did you go over there and have that amount of baptism in a short time? Well, you can preach your car out here high and low on streets and in churches wherever you might be. And if you got one during that time, you would rejoice and celebrate. How is it that you convert so many? And his answer was, was this, that here we take it for granted that God loves us. The people there, when they hear the message, are overwhelmed that God loves them. A sense of our smallness, of our insignificance, of our unworthiness, the invitation to the king. example the parable of the tares in Matthew 13 around verse 24 and then the parable of the dragnet in Matthew 13 around verse 47 that you you have the tares and you have the wheat and the tares and then in Matthew 13 at the end the dragnet it drags up all kinds of fish both both good and bad there's several places in Matthew where you find this kind of thing in parables We'll find it later in another parable of the wedding feast where you have the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. Well, what happens here? Well, the king comes in in verse 11. 
And the king comes to look over his dinner guest. He looks over the dinner guest. He looks over those who have accepted the invitation. And he finds, finds there a man dressed, uh, a man who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he says, Friend, and this is your word for friend, it's only used to have you. It's only used three times, and each time the person that's addressed has thought or done something wrong. The last time it's going to be used is going to be used of Jesus. Friend, how did you get in here? Was that wedding club? And the man was speechless. And the king said, the king who has offered this fabulous banquet to all who will come. The king says to this one who has not prepared himself, in verse 13, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. That statement of verse 13 is horrible. And yet it's made by the same God who has invited us all to partake of this banquet. He has provided for us all to take of this banquet at great cost to Himself. But what is going on here? This man was dressed in proper clothing. He's just coming in from the street. The invitation is going out. All who come in, he comes in. You see, God accepts us just as we are. And just as we are, we come before Him pleading for His forgiveness, surrendering to His will and His way for forgiveness. But God doesn't want us to stay just where we are. And sometimes, garments, clothing, is used as a picture of character. It was used before. In Revelation 19, verse 8. In Isaiah 52, verse 1. In wait, clothe yourself in strength, O Zion. Clothe yourself in beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Let me ask you, what are you wearing today? What's your apparel? I'm not talking about your physical clothes. But I'm talking about a more important word, more important clothing. The word that is used here in verse 11 
For this man who was not dressed in wedding clothes is used for example in this passage. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves. When a person hears this great invitation, when he hears this and he responds to this message, he said, I want to come to the banquet and humbles himself, whatever his sins, whatever his situation, he humbles himself and is baptized into Christ. When you baptize into Christ, you put on Christ. You clothe yourself with Christ. And you say, oh, I've done that already. Well, it doesn't stop there. It is not a once-for-all thing. This same word that is used for clothing in Matthew 22 in verse 11 is also used in Romans 13 verse 2. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Putting on the armor in Romans 13 verse 12, in Ephesians 6 verse 11, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. The word for putting on the armor of God, it's the same word for how we're dressed in Matthew chapter 22. But look at this in Romans 13 verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Now we put on Christ in baptism. But these are people, this is written to people who have already done that according to Romans 6. And they're still told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that the clothing you're wearing? Is that the clothing that you are putting on every day? Ephesians 4.24 uses this same term. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. The word put on, the same word for dress. What are you wearing? Let us pray. Oh Lord our God. We come as weak and frail people. Physically and spiritually. To approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we bow before you and we proclaim how great you are. And how merciful and gracious you are in offering us an invitation to this banquet. 
May we never lose our sense of awe. That you do such kindness for us at great cost to yourselves as we remember every time we partake of the Lord's Supper. Forgive us for the times that in our foolishness we've gone to our farms, to our businesses, and it said no to you. Thank you for being persistent in sending messages to bring us back to yourself. And oh God, where we have failed to clothe ourselves with Christ, we ask your forgiveness, your mercy, and your strength. May that be our clothing every day. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have you put on the Lord Jesus in baptism? For those who were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. Have you done that and are not walking faithfully with Him? And you want to reaffirm your desire to put on the Lord Jesus this morning. Let us pray with you. Seek to help you. But all things are ready. Come to the feast.